1580. Welcome to the Danny Morrison Show, the whole nine of the nighttime right at nine. You know, every week I try to bring you a show that focuses on the African-American child. Yes, over the last few shows, we've talked about gang members and white nationalists and your relationship circle and the perils of Will Smith. Shoot, we even dedicated a show to unpacking whether Ashanti, DJ Khaled, and Morris Chestnut deserve stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, the topics of conversation on the Danny Mo Show always look to educate and entertain to achieve its goal of being your nightly edutainment. But at the end of the day, the method to my madness is to always find differing ways of diagnosing, challenging, and ultimately inspiring the young kings and queens within our communities with assistance from you. That's why last week I brought you a show simply asking you one simple question. Are you afraid of young black people? It was a great broadcast, and I appreciate everyone who participated in it. But that show is barely scratching the surface on all of the problems that currently plague, arguably, our most fragile generation yet. And tonight's episode is inspired by the queen sitting across from me right now who had a great discussion on her socials the other day regarding a brilliant idea that I think may help in rectifying the problem. What I'm speaking of is how Robin grants her two beautiful daughters five mental health days to be used throughout the school year. They can be used however they see fit as long as they're used responsibly. Now, a parental decision like that could be overlooked by some of you as being no big deal. But I believe it's genius when you look at it from a panoramic view. Because I believe it alleviates some of the daily scholastic pressures of a young adolescent, yet empowers them to control their own destiny at the same time. Amazing. Kudos to you and your husband, queen. So piggybacking on the Ayers family concept, I want to devote tonight's show to something we all should be concerned with as it pertains to our youth. Because here's a newsflash for those that may be unaware. These young African Americans believe that we don't care about them anymore. I repeat, these young African Americans believe that we don't care about them anymore. Yeah, you heard me. They believe that we have long forgotten about them. They believe the way in which we speak to them is talking down to them rather than talking to them. They believe that we are too accusatory in our conversations with them. They believe the intentional choices that they are making with their personal lives should be commended because they are the antithesis of the mistakes made from our generations. They believe that their way of living life is a decision that we never fully accept them for. They believe that the disconnect between us and them is so vast that we potentially could be at the point of no return and lastly, they also believe that we are constantly demanding their respect. Just because of our age group and supposed level of life experience, when they should be minimally receive a modicum of respect themselves, sometimes we forget that they are adults too, no matter what we may think of them. And I agree with every single one of their sentiments. Er, one. 
top to bottom. If you've been an avid listener to The Danny Mo Show since June of 2021, I made a promise to my audience that this show would never become a holier-than-thou broadcast that young people will assume is out of touch. I want this show to be the place where not only black people meet, but where black people of all ages can meet. And it's obvious to me that we, not just as a community, but as a society, are witnessing a teetering moment in time for our younger kings and queens. And let me explain to you exactly what I mean. Yeah, millennials are our smartest generation ever. Yeah, millennials are our most technologically savvy generation ever. And yeah, millennials are overall our most creative generation ever, but they may also be our most mentally fragile generation ever. A generation of kings and queens that not only are struggling with their mental health in 2022, but often don't have the resources available to them to help in keeping them balanced for the long term. You see, young black people have long been struggling, but today's struggle seems to be much different. From income inequality to the pandemic to fights and bouts with racism, they are currently losing the battle by bringing a knife into the gunfight of a white man's world. And for better understanding and to further illustrate exactly what young kings and queens are going through, I ask that you please listen to this news report from two months ago. CBS Philly was on the case. Listen. Recent suicides by public figures have added to the conversation about black Americans and mental health. Former Miss USA and attorney Chesley Chris was 30. Walking Dead star Moses Mosley was 31. Ian Alexander Jr., the son of actress Regina King, was 26. Here's Eyewitness News reporter Madeline Wright. Chad Brown describes himself as a social butterfly, but when the pandemic began, his job asked him to work from home, and he suddenly found himself isolated from friends, family, colleagues, and clients. When I had to quarantine or lock down for days and weeks at a time, I started to get depressed and started to feel lonely. Depression can lead to suicidal thoughts. Experts say people of color are at heightened risk. According to the CDC, between 2018 and 2019, suicide rates decreased 2.4% among white people, but at the same time, they increased 2.5% among black people. There aren't necessarily more people experiencing these in the community. It's that the access to resources are not as available. Um, to many black and brown and indigenous people. Dr. R.G. Allen Wilson is a relationship therapist. She says the stigma surrounding mental health is a barrier to recovery. Self-care is a radical act of kindness to ourselves if we look at it from the perspective that everyone is deserving and has the right to good mental health care. She says education is key to getting people struggling with mental health the help they need. As for Brown, he's had to adapt to a new normal to maintain his well-being. I haven't been around people as often as I would like to be, but um, I spend a lot of time FaceTiming people on my iPhone just to feel that human experience. In Center City. Wow. Such a tragic report, huh? By the way, has anyone checked on Regina King lately? Her public statement after the passing away of her young King Ian indicated that she would appreciate privacy as she and her family worked through an emotional time. I just hope that she's finding comfort in the arms of God, wherever she is. And I can't speak for all of you, but I know that I was shocked to learn such a confident and vibrant young man had died by suicide. 
Looking back on pics and videos with his mother, all seems right within the world of the only child of Regina King and Ian Alexander Sr. We posted a video on the KBLA socials the day after his passing, showing the public love and admir admiration that Regina would shower her son with every single opportunity she got. And my heart still goes out to their entire family and as they navigate through what has to be the most painful portion of their lives. No one should have to bury a child. No one. Yes, if the circle of life remains intact, we are ultimately supposed to bury our parents and grandparents before we leave this thing called life. But they say that seeing your own child in the casket is hands down the most insufferable tragedy a human being can ever experience. And we all need to keep every family lifted up in prayer as they attempt to find answers on why their loved one is no longer with us. Which begs the question that I'm asking us all tonight. How? Why? What happened? Now I want to preface this delicate conversation with another Danny Mo Show disclaimer. I am not a qualified mental health professional. I have lost three friends by suicide over the last two and a half years or so, but that doesn't somehow make me some sort of authority on the subject. All I have tonight is personal experience within my own family with close and personal friends and real life moments that have given me some perspective on this highly sensitive topic. So I want to be perfectly clear in stating in advance that my thoughts and opinions on this subject are in no way medical or mental. They are strictly anecdotal, mine and mine alone. Looking from the outside in, though, there is one blaring thing that stands out to me. Just days before Ian's death, that young king was on social media with messages that were seemingly cries for help. One post showed a picture of a bunch of Spongebobs engulfed in flames with Ian adding the caption, quote, You know that episode of Spongebob where they go inside his brain and it's a bunch of mini Spongebobs just losing their shh? Yeah, that one really hits home. End quote. He also wrote, I don't think Instagram is healthy for me. Ian tweeted those posts five days before he took his own life. Do those posts tell us that we, he was suicidal at that moment? We don't know. Did Ian believe that his career wasn't progressing fast enough or far enough at the age of 26? We don't know. Was the bright light of being the only child of one of the most successful actresses in Hollywood too much to bear? We don't know. Or was it simply a young man that had a pre-existing mental health condition that had somehow triggered that condition and finally pushed him over the edge? We don't know. And that's kind of the point, but here's what I do know. Even while that young king was smiling when the lights were on and it reached the pinnacle of financial and professional success in the music and food industries, by the way, he still could have been silently battling some form of depression. Our history is peppered with men and women with enormous levels of fame, fortune, constant adulation from fans across the globe, kings and queens you would think would have every reason to love the life in which they live, yet and still, the instability of their mental health drove them down that dark path of suicidal thoughts now. I want you to think about Terrence again tonight. Keisha too. 
my imaginary black protagonist that I like to always present to you on this broadcast. Imagine these poor teenage African Americans sans the money, the fame, and the fortune. Imagine being surrounded by the stereotypical stresses that have become commonplace throughout socially disadvantaged African American communities. Imagine living in neighborhoods rife with boys that have estranged and non-existent relationships with their biological fathers. Imagine moms and immediate families that have given up on them and kicked them out of the house. Imagine girls friends on their own that are understandably too immature to understand the gravity of the relationship they're involved in, unaware that when you try to fix a broken person, you can also cut yourself on the shattered pieces. In my opinion, it's all depression. Another form of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, the psychological ramifications of institutionalized racism has become much too much to bear. Think about it for a minute. These young men are constantly bombarded with a perpetual assault on their psyche while being a witness to our brothers being murdered with no collective community uprising for the killings. And let me drop some statistical facts on you again that you need to hear. Homicide is the leading cause of death for African-American males under the age of 44. And this one too. 49% of deaths of African-American males between 15 and 19 are homicides. Half. That's more than the next nine leading causes of death combined. In addition, these young men regularly see law enforcement shoot and kill young unarmed African-American men on TV and on social media. Then they watch the predictable absolving of the killings at a disproportionate rate, even when there's inarguable camera footage. And yeah, since you're wondering... Police use of force is among the leading causes of death for us as well. Sad, right? About 100 and 100,000 black men and boys will be killed in, by police during their lives, while 39 white men and boys per 100,000 are killed by police. This means black men are about two and a half times more likely to be killed by police than white men. They're also stereotyped by their mannerisms, their word enunciation of slang, and their fashion choices regardless of their upbringing. They're constantly followed in department stores for wearing a hoodie while visiting a commercial establishment. And it wears on you, man. They're frustrated. They're angry. And rightly so. And I believe the violence you see within our communities is not only suicide, but it's intentional death by fire. It's depression. Yet it's never identified and diagnosed accordingly. Why, you ask? I believe one Trevor Noah agrees with my perspective on what I believe is the problem because The Daily Show was on the case. Listen. There are few groups who could stand to benefit from therapy more than black people. I mean, think about all the things black people have been through. Slavery, segregation, winter. All equally traumatic experiences. But unfortunately... Even as therapy has become more mainstream, the black community has had a tough time getting the help that they need. It's hard enough to get mental health treatment in the U.S., but studies show that racial and ethnic minorities are significantly less likely to receive mental health treatment than whites. Black and Hispanic children are less likely to get mental health care than white kids. And studies show that irritability in the average white teenager is often labeled as depression. That same behavior is more likely to be seen as disruptive in black or Latino children. And doctors say that can lead to feelings of hopelessness at a very young age. Facts. Yes, one of the reasons many black people don't get the proper treatment is misdiagnosis. 
What is seen as depression in white people can be seen as disruptive behavior in black people. And this shouldn't be surprising, right? This kind of thing happens in medicine all the time, mixed diagnosis. It's like when a black person has a seizure, it's a medical emergency. But when a white person does it, it's called dancing. <laughs> but it turns out... It turns out... That's a great line. Even when black people are properly diagnosed with mental health issues, it can still be a challenge to find a therapist who's equipped to handle their needs. That's exactly right. Unsurprisingly, we African-Americans have poor representation. We know ourselves better than anybody else, but black psychologists make up only 4% of the active psychology workforce, according to the American Psychological Association. The likelihood of having a mental health professional that looks like us is a tall task. And trust me, that's a problem. African-Americans are more likely to have feelings of sadness, hopelessness, and worthlessness than adult whites. And according to even the LA Unified School District, 21% of youth overall, ages 13 to 18, have a mental illness that causes significant impairment in their daily life. That's L-A-U-S-D. And let's not forget about social media. We talk about it all the time on this show. A large portion of this new generation of young African-Americans is becoming more desensitized to violence the more social media savvy they become. Suppressing such pain could have lingering societal effects for which we may not be prepared for. And while black youth statistically leave the black church in droves, I am fearful that the long-term solution must have a faith element of some sort incorporated in order for us to truly make progress. What is the mental state of a young person that shoots another with no remorse? It's called depression. And like Robin said the other night, it's indifference, which is even more scary. They don't care. And it's getting worse. And talking to these teetering and troubled African-American teenagers shows me that we got a lot of work to do. I'm worried about the mental health of young African-Americans. You should be too. Black lives matter, and black mental health does as well. And may God lay his hands on this show tonight to help in being the catalyst to the African-American community, finally having the conversation about the instability of our young kings and queens. But that's just me. Tell me what you think, LA, huh? In your opinion, why are young kings and queens increasingly taking their own lives? Could it be chemical, mental, environmental? And do you think posts on social media can ever be a telltale sign? Also, are you concerned about the health and wellness of young African-Americans overall? Are they different from when we were growing up? Is social media the main culprit for the changes in their mental health or is the society as a whole? And lastly, do you know anyone that has struggled with their mental health? Do you know anyone that has contemplated suicide? Perhaps a family member, a friend, maybe it was you. And if someone is a new parent, let's say, what advice would you give them to try to raise a child at 2022 America, an African-American child? I would love to hear from you tonight. It's another night of healing tonight. Holla at your boy. Your voice is the change. Your voice is the community. Your voice is on 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. You can also stream us via the brand new KBLA streaming app on your app store, iOS or Android. It don't matter. That same app allows you to send me your questions and comments that I will answer live at different intervals throughout the broadcast. Plus, 
Like, share, and follow your favorite radio station live on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KBLA1580. Feel free to follow me at Danny Mo Show on those same platforms, too. Plus, me and my nighttime partner in crime, Robin Ayers, will take your comments via the ecosystem of our social network. Check this out. When we come forward, I will add another seven series to add to the topic of conversation tonight. Look. Those of us that have children are terrified when you see young African Americans that not only look like they're living the life, but also look like they got a strong circle of support around them. Yet and still, they still take their own lives. The warning signs aren't always obvious. And that's why we got to talk about it. That's why my seven series tonight is seven signs your child may have a mental health issue. This list isn't mine because I'm not qualified. This list is provided by a psychotherapist, licensed clinical social worker, mental strength coach, and international best-selling author, Amy Morin. It's estimated that one in six children in the United States has a mental illness. One in six. Yet over half of them never even receive treatment. I will break down a few signs and symptoms that will help us all with our own kids, God willing. Add to the conversation with your phone calls when we come forward. Welcome to the Danny Morrison Show on Unapologetically Progressive, KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's ride. From Bakersfield to Los Angeles. From middays to nighttime. Like George and Wheezy, Danny Morrison is moving on up at KBLA Talk 1580. I was asking Robin, what could... Uh, Andy play right now that is in relation to this topic. I said he gonna come with some Pac. You went biggie on him. Huh? I love it. You're checking out the Danny Morrison show on KBLA Talk 1580. Uh, we're discussing the tragic suicides of young black celebrities over the last couple years and the teetering mental health of young African Americans overall in 2022. Why is the suicide rate rising? Just got a message from Sherelle Diggs. She said, "Great intro, King." Mental health and the healing is crucial in our community. Excellent intro and caller. This is such a great subject. And whether or not anyone believes it, I believe that we as black folks, me included, been through our own PTSD moments, meltdowns, and are living with the residual. Hence the indifference, as Robin so elegantly put last week. Real talk. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Sherelle. Yeah, I think we all are. I think she, she... She nailed it. We are all dealing with our own form of P- PTSD. Something is going on, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, like the caller, uh, was it Caldwell? It what went, did he call it? Silent? What, what was that phrase he used? Um, We're all dealing uh, with our right. invisible. Oh, I should have wrote it down. Oh, it was such goodness. a nugget. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, our invisible I've, trauma or invisible something like that? wounds or something like that. It, it was, was just it was beautifully amazing. stated. Yeah. Beautifully stated. And it was it was. I, I literally I noted that as well, um, and I should have written it down. But yeah, it's exactly what happens. I mean, we go through it, and um, but we never knew what to call it, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm grateful. I'm grateful that this topic is you know being talked about. We're accepting it more and more, and we're doing something about it. Like this conversation is a is a, a great one that we're having today. So mm-hmm. I'm appreciative of it. Yeah, we were going down the timeline yesterday. I was showing Robin. There was this queen that was losing her mind. I don't know if you guys seen that viral video of a queen losing her mind. It looks like a Planet Fitness. Have mm-hmm. you seen that? You saw that, Andy? This woman is losing her mind. Mm. And you just go, that's trauma. Yeah. Is it it's, fair to say every single time we lose it in public, there's probably some trauma attached? There, there, I think that is fair. And I think that it's beyond anger. 
you know, we all get angry, we all get upset, mad, whatever you want to call it, but there's a level to it. Mm. Once it goes past a certain level, there's something deeply rooted there. Mm. And it's probably related to some other traumatic, you know, incident or something that's, like I said, it's deeply rooted. It's in you that needs to be pulled up via therapy mm. or something like that. Um, and and I, I want to be careful that this is why I think we will. We're, I was just talking to Danny that we're going to get some mental health experts in oh, here. Absolutely. We're definitely going to continue this conversation because I do have questions. Um, I, I want to be careful not to just automatically assume that everything is a mental health issue or that you're having a mental health crisis. Now, I'm aware that there are many of them out there, but I don't want to automatically assume that someone is, you know, just label them, you know, that they're having mental health issues. But um, is it not fair to assume that any single time we lose it, that is a mental health issue? I think there's a difference between having a bad day and depression. Sure. <laughs> That's a huge spectrum. Sure. But anytime we lose, especially in public, I go, there's something else going on. That's why I always give grace when I see us lose it in public. Yeah. I go, y'all don't know what's going on. Yeah. This, uh, it makes me wonder what led you to, I mean, did you just... Like a Will Smith moment, and not to. I'm go. not gonna go over no, this. No, all. no, We're not gonna perfect. be the dead horse, but you know, Je- I, I saw a video where DJ Jazzy Jeff. You know, we all know that his very, very long time, one of his best friends, um, stated that he, he said if there's anyone in the world who's suppressed the uh, ability or the um, desire, probably even to to slap someone, it's Will Smith. Yep. He said he could list out 50 other times where he should have slapped somebody, but he didn't. So in moments like that, where you know that Will Smith had been suppressing that for, for years throughout his, throughout his career, and then he comes to a boiling point, is that mental health or did you just lose it because you've been suppressing it for so long? And is that a form of mental health? And that was my point right there. He yeah. lost it. Yeah. He was angry. Yeah. Didn't know how to react. He's rich. He's famous. He's got everything your heart could ever ever desire. Yeah. But that is still a mental health issue mm-hmm. because he lost it in public. Mm. Yeah. I mean, well, th- then there's that. I mean, we, we agree on that. You know, we definitely agree. The fact that when you lose it in public like that, um, there's something else deeper. It's gotta be. It, it has to be. But not always. Not always in public, I'm saying. Mm. Even private, too. Oh, for sure. And for sure. It sucks that, I mean, we are born with trauma. We come out the womb with trauma. Mm. And then we go to, a lot of times, dilapidated neighborhoods, uh, poverty-stricken homes, mm-hmm. single-parent homes, gang-affiliated neighborhoods, you know, and we just experience racial strife all throughout this country. What do you think happens, Danny? Do you feel like we had this conversation regarding something else recently? Mm-hmm. But you said we're born with trauma. Mm-hmm. So in your perspective, do you feel like we're born with trauma and then it's up to life for us to start giving it advantages and uh, build up our trust and build up our uh, our resistance to the trauma? Or how I thought, I thought we were born pure. I thought we were, you know, probably my, 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 you know, my mentality, Mm -hmm. my hopeful mentality in humanity. Um, I thought we were born pure uh, and with no trauma and that life happens and then slowly starts knocking down our resistance. I say that for two reasons. Okay. One, I say it because any emotions that a a mother feels, that child feels too. Mm -hmm. So she's going through some trauma as an African-American woman in this country. Mm -hmm. That child feels it too. Number two, I've heard countless instances of black people in general Mm -hmm. being treated unfairly within the medical system. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I say that also literally <laughs> you come through with trauma. So okay. it's like there's so many different cases that I can give you. I think we intrinsically go through trauma mm-hmm. the moment we hit this earth. It's sad to say, but here's the other side of the argument. Do you want to teach your young African-American child about race, about pain, about struggle early? Or do you want to allow them to be a child? Mm -hmm. Is it our responsibility to take our two-year-old parents and teach him about the struggles of being black that young? Why can't he just be a kid? Seems like we're the only race of people that... Terrence, be a kid. Go on, play with your Tonka trucks. Go on, PS5 is over there. We can't do that. Mm. We got to show when George Floyd is having his life siphoned from him live on, on TV. Should we show that to Terrence? Yeah, I, two, I think that's a great, great question. I don't know. Will that create more trauma? Or is it preparing him for the trauma that is incoming? I think there is. A, I think there's a balance to it, right? I think, you know, how I often talk about me talking to the girls. They're 15 years old. My kids are two, they're two 15-year-old girls. And um, for the most part, I, I wanted them to be children. I wanted them to just, you know, not, not have to feel trauma, not have to be depressed, not have to look at things and question it, you know. But as, as they grow older, you know, and they come across things for themselves and they bring things to you and they hear things from their friends, then, of course, it's, a, it's important to explain things to them and um, traumas to them and what they see on television and break it down. But I think age appropriateness is very important as Where's well. Where's that age, though, Queen? It, everyone is different. Every child is different. Um, Would you show your five-year-old son or daughter the George Floyd video? I don't think so. Okay. Me personally, I don't think so. Um, just because, uh, again, I truly believe in a child. You know, a child should not bear what we bear. You know, that's for us mm. to bear. Let me let me just protect you for a little while longer. We mm. can't always protect our kids. Mm. So while I have you here, let me just hold on to you as a kid for a little while. I think some families, and I'm not even sure I agree. Uh, some families would say, "Then you are selling them short, and you." You're pushing them out to the world without knowing what to expect once they once they get out there. No, because I'm going to talk to my kids before they leave my house, before they, you know, while, while, you know, they're growing up in my house. And again, as they become a little bit more age appropriate, maybe running into situations. My kids right now are talking about those types of issues in school when they get pulled over, what to do. Mm-hmm. They're talking about that. So right now is a great conversation to have um, about other things that are going on in the world. But they're 15. They're 15. And we started those conversations earlier, okay. by the way. But okay. I was just making a statement there. Ferran, I see you. Lorraine, I see you. Phone calls are coming in. 1-800-920-1580. When we come forward, we will go back to the phones. A very important conversation on trauma and suicide with young African Americans. Danny Morrison Show, KBLA Talk 1580. We got a lot to talk about. From Bakersfield to Los Angeles. Like George and Weezy, Danny Morrison is moving on up at KBLA Talk 1580. I've never heard this track. Down in the cigar, roll me up and smoke me. Cause 2007, Lil Wayne, I feel like dying. Danny Morrison Show, KBLA Talk 1580. Talking mental health, talking suicide, talking young African Americans in 2022 and beyond. Right now, it is time for the Rye Report with Robin Ed. Take it over, Queen. Thank you so much, Danny. You know, as uh, Danny mentioned earlier, um, he was referencing a post that I posted on Instagram regarding allowing my kids to take mental health days, five mental health days every year from 
school just because they have stress and all kinds of things like all of our kids do. And it got a lot of attention, to be honest, because I think that it was sort of uh, an epiphany for a lot of people that said, you know what, I'm going to start doing that with my own kids. And then there were some who said, you know, what? I already do this with my kids, which I thought was beautiful. And there was a young lady, um, Jahan Williams, who, who said something that I thought was very profound. And she said that she had already started doing this with her son in middle school. But then she wrote um, that it became necessary. She said he unfortunately lost two friends in the same school year from taking their own lives. And um, Mm. she said there were a record number of attempts that year. Uh, She believes it was 2018. And then it, it hit me. Because, you know, that's a young age. And we, we already established mm. the amount of uh, the rate that youth are taking their own lives. And I really wanted to have her call in and share her experience with us because I think we need to hear that. We mm. need to we need to make uh, more awareness around this topic. So we have Jahan Williams oh, wow. calling in today. Nice. Jahan, how are you today? I'm blessed. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you so much for staying up and calling into the show. Um, you know, we, we truly appreciate you uh, and, and with such a sensitive topic as well. We definitely appreciate you calling in and sharing your experience. Do you mind talking about that situation a little bit, however much you feel comfortable with? Sure. Um, and thank you for you guys discussing it. It's I've always felt it was a necessary discussion, and I think I'm blessed that my son and I had those discussions. Um, I wish he would have had him more, more in depth before he actually had to experience it or I wish he would never had to experience it at all. Mm-hmm. But, um, the first suicide was in 2018, October, and it was a close friend of his and they didn't, the parents were very, um, hurt as you can understand, but they were also very closed off. Um, they, didn't want anyone discussing it, so it was not labeled a suicide. It was labeled an accident for a very long time. Um, my son was one of, like, her three closest friends. Mm-hmm. So the school did provide counseling, adequate counseling for him. Um, and then I began hearing that he was hurting at home, but at school he was who everybody was leaning on, mm-hmm. you know, going up and hugging teachers and being the shoulder to cry on for people who regretted maybe how they treated her, people who wanted to be closer to her or felt they were closer to her and just were mourning the loss of someone their own age. Mm-hmm. My son was 15. Mm. So um, February of 2019, um, another friend passed, and this was a more popular friend, and his suicide was all over the news. Mm-hmm. And... My son blamed himself for not stopping it. He, for a while, thought he was the last person to interact with him. Um, I believe because of his popularity that, you know, star basketball player, great student, great grades, ranked athlete in the in the country, let alone the state, many college offers, 17 years old. Um, he had everything going for him, and he, had, he was friends with everybody. He was a kind-hearted young man. So it affected the kids even more because they were already dealing with just the knowledge that someone their age was that sad, right? And now you have someone who's popular and knows everyone, you know, says hi to everyone, and now he's gone. And it's the same school, Hmm. two different social (sighs) cliques, but 
the same school and adequate counseling was not provided at that campus because my son went to North Hollywood High School. Okay. And he also attended L.A. Zoo High School, mm-hmm. like the magnet part of it. Mm-hmm. So he was only at the North Hollywood campus once a day. And they didn't have as many, they didn't have counselors there like that. But the zoo being smaller had adequate counseling for him. Mm-hmm. So it came to a point where he came home one day and told me that he was sitting at the bus stop and wondered what would be the impact of him stepping in front of a bus. Oh, wow. Wow. And I remember just sitting in shock because we have a very communicative relationship that I've always been grateful for. But that one kind of had me for a second. And before I could even get out words of encouragement or any affirmations or just, you know, I'm already hugging him and I'm in tears. He's just like, I need therapy. And mm. I, I want to go tomorrow. Mm. And I, I need one of my mental health days. Mm. I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're doing that tomorrow. You, you want to go today? Like, maybe we can go tonight. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm on this now. Mm. Like, I, I don't even want to wait till tomorrow. Do I need to watch you all night? Like, can you go into the bathroom and close the door? I, I didn't know what to do. And I actually had to reach out to the young man's mom to tell me what to do. Because I just didn't know how to take that. You know, because on the outside, everyone just thought he was doing so well. And he was diagnosed with um, complex bereavement disorder because he didn't just lose two friends that year. In a 10-month span, 10 people we knew passed away, Mm -hmm. two by suicide, though. And I know what I've taken from it is that I grew up, I'm I'm 39, 39, I'll be 40 this year. Mm -hmm. And when I was growing up, I was always told that, Kids don't have stress. There's nothing to stress about. Mm -hmm. But I was always stressed. Mm. And I was very traumatized. And I wanted to make sure that I did something different with my own child because he had a lot of trauma. He obviously was traumatized. Mm -hmm. And we had Tamir Rice and just all these young black kids and men being shot, Philando Castile, and it wasn't something that I was showing him because I heard you guys talking about would you show your child the George Floyd video. Sometimes parents don't even have an option nowadays with social media, and I monitored his social media. Mm. I was very much, I'm still on it, and he's in his first year of college. I'm still in his social media. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he told me about Tamir Rice. Mm. Mm. So he had trauma, and my thing was, okay, so how are we going to deal with this? And because he had been bullied in school uh, for being so nice, and, you know, he was the kid that wouldn't fight back when he was in elementary school. When he went to junior high school, and I saw that starting again, but now he has testosterone going, and he's not going to not fight back anymore. Mm. Um, And he could always fight back because he's like an orange belt in karate or higher than that now. So. It was just a decision to not be violent. Um, so I started doing mental health days. You know, when I would see that he had been ran down the day before, um, I'd notice behavioral changes with him the night before, or he'd be really laggy in the morning, and it wasn't from lack of sleep, but just apprehensiveness from not wanting to deal with certain things. I would tell him it's okay. 
you know, just stay home. Like, it's okay. This is just, we're going to call it a mental health day. And he thought I was crazy, and no one agreed with me at the time. All my friends who are parents have kids younger than me or grown, right? So I raised my son in a space with no friends with kids the same age. So I'm trying to get advice, and I really believe in a village raising a child, but this fell really on me, and I had to take the decision in myself because my elders thought I was crazy. Like, you're just going to let that boy miss school? Yes, I am. That's right. That's yes. right. He needs it. He needs it. Just like you need it, they need it more. Yeah. Because they feel the weight of all the petty things that we don't consider important because we forget what it's like to be their age. And then they have, like, I'm a single mom. So he feels the weight of everything I, I experience, you know, wondering how the bills are going to be paid. And mm-hmm. my health wasn't great. And being a just... Why is she a single mom? You know, John, where one, where is John? One second, because you were on a roll. I hate to do this. We got to pay some bills. Is that okay? Can you hold on just a second? We'll come right back to you. Sure. Thank you. Sure. Wow. So powerful. Wow. One eight hundred nine two zero fifteen eighty. One eight hundred nine two zero fifteen eighty. You're inside the Raw Report. We got Jahan Williams on the phone, giving us her personal story about her son's uh, struggles with uh, seeing suicides at his own schools. Plural. Danny Morrison Show. KBLA. Stay there. From Bakersfield to Los Angeles, by George and Weezy, Danny Morrison is moving on up at KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to the Danny Morrison Show exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. We're also inside the Rye Report uh, talking uh, grief, talking suicide, talking young African-Americans. And on the phones right now is uh, Jahan Williams. Go ahead. Uh, you were saying. Yeah, Jahan, you are, uh, wow, your story um, and sharing your son's story is just so impactful. And again, we definitely appreciate you calling in. I got to admit, I had no idea what complex bereavement disorder even was. I hadn't heard of it. And for anyone else who hadn't heard of it, I looked it up and it said that um, in complicated grief, painful emotions are so long lasting and severe that you have trouble recovering from the loss and resuming your own life. And so the fact that your son was diagnosed with complex bereavement order disorder, I have to ask, how is your son doing now? He, he is, he's thriving. He's attending his first year of college. He's focused on making the basketball team. So for him, it's school, gym, gym, and then basketball mm-hmm. all night long. Praise like, God. Yeah, thank unless, God. It, yeah, if he's not getting his shots up, he's out there at 3 in the morning until he has his form right. So mm-hmm. okay. he became very focused in basketball. Like his therapist literally told me that that was one thing I should never touch mm-hmm. or threaten to take away. Um, his zoo magnet school made accommodations to make sure that at nutrition, the court was put up because most of the kids didn't play basketball, so they wouldn't put the net up. So they made sure it was available to him whenever he needed to step out of a classroom, mm. breathe, he can go put some shots up. That's how important basketball became That's and amazing. is in his life. And I have to commend you as as his mother. Um, I Just listening to you, it sounds like you've done extremely well with him and that you're so caring for him. And I, I applaud you for giving him those mental health days away from school whenever he needed it. And that you were so in tune with him to notice that he may have even been a little off the night uh, prior to school. So you would make those uh, those adjustments then. 
And um, yeah, yeah I, I noticed you. that you you said you had a conversation or you would call the young man who uh, took his own life. You called his mother. In those, had you had conversations with his own with his mom about uh, the passing of her son, and um, if there was anything that she had noticed that you would that you can share, or did the conversations not go so that uh, so deep into that? No, we went we went straight into it. Actually, mm-hmm. they created um, a foundation. They jumped straight into advocacy mm-hmm. after his death. Um, they wanted to make sure it didn't happen again. And the fact that the school was underreporting attempts, um, you know, the school failed Xavier, and they failed him in every way possible because he told a teacher what he was feeling, mm. and then he was dismissed as just being lazy. He told a counselor what he was feeling, who did begin to take the appropriate steps for the safety plan, but ultimately they let him leave the campus. Um and he took his life. So I believe he tried, and I believe that if the school had done their job a little better, mm-hmm. you know, a mandatory reporting laws. My son told his Spanish teacher that he was feeling suicidal. She told him to stop making excuses and never called me. So, no, we Whoa. talked about it. Like, yeah. when I called her um, with what Rashad had told me, and when I called her again when I learned in counseling that he had told a teacher, she, you know, told me, you're doing the right thing, keep him out of school tomorrow, keep him out of school for a few days if you need to. Um, She felt that there wasn't more they could have done because he was, as far as their child, he was in therapy. He was very active in the church. He had been very um, communicative with them. They knew that he was beginning to struggle a little bit, but had they even thought it was this deep, you know, he wouldn't have been at school that day. They had no problem pulling him out. Um, and if the school would have just done their job, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just a, it's a tragedy. And she always told me before I made the phone call to her, she had made a phone call to me mm-hmm. just to check on my son because okay. they were like brothers. So I had never spoken to her before any of this happened. Mm-hmm. I felt I felt like I was failing because here this woman is calling me during her heaviest grief because she was seeing signs that I can only relate to what people call pink clouding for um, victims of like sexual assault. When they, they go on this like high, they're like very happy they're brushing it off like it didn't happen Mm. and i think she was kind of seeing that with rashad because like i said he was everyone's shoulder he was the smiling face at school and then at home he was becoming if i would have allowed it more distant Mm. you know i just didn't allow it i was in his room i was sitting on the bed i i'm just i'm that way i'm not like a helicopter mom i do give space but not when something's going on. Sure. I'm going to be right there. I'm going to be all up on you. That's right. Just letting you know you have love, so you're never going to say you were alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to drive you crazy to the point where you're going we're gonna to have to laugh this out. <laughs> we're going to cry it out. I'm going to frustrate you to make you yell. We're going to get this energy mm. out in some way, shape, or form. That's just how I felt because I didn't feel like I had that outlet, and I let him speak his mind completely. 
And I also, you know, speaking on what he on how he is now, when he turned 18, he started college at 17, but when he turned 18, I had made it clear since junior high, turning 18 does not mean you're grown. Mm-hmm. In, in the world's eyes, yes. Yeah. And in the world's eyes, you being 12 years old and almost six feet tall, people already think you're a man. Mm-hmm. But at home with me, this is always your safety net. Mm. 40, 50, if I'm, as long as I'm here, I have your back. So you, you're never grown. You're never too grown to come home. Mm-hmm. You're never too grown to lean on me. I'm always a phone call away. And so one thing I really love meeting his friends in college is that he's spreading this message <laughs> to his friends. And he always is telling people, I still have teen in my age. I'm not grown. I'm, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going home this weekend. I'm going home next weekend. Yeah. Wow. You know, because yeah. my mom is there. And I, right. I thank God that I'm able to do that because when i became a single mom i didn't think i was capable of handling anything so when all this came up and you know suicide and making safety plans and putting down people's phone numbers and instructions on what you need to do if your child is not with you and is experiencing a crisis it's it's like a whole new level of trauma but you're also grateful and you have to trust that people follow the plan, right? So I was just really lucky because the friends that he put down, um, because I always told him, if you don't want to talk to me, talk to someone. Definitely. And he had great friends. And I'm glad that he has that that, uh, kind of relationship with you. You just sound like you have a a great relationship with your son. So you mentioned earlier, uh, we have a, a few minutes left, but I want you to talk about this. You said you wish that you had introduced these um, mental health days earlier before he had to experience any of this with uh, the passing of his two friends via suicide. What would you suggest to other parents? I mean, we are living in a time right now where these kids really are stressed out. You know, that's part of what I was putting on my post. We expect so much from them, like our parents and our grandparents expected from us, you know, when we were growing up. But the times are different. You know, the times are different. And we're having these heavy conversations and heavy things going on, real life things like suicide. These things are happening in schools, middle schools, even elementary schools. What would you tell other parents, you know, um, about what you've experienced and what you maybe would have done earlier with your son? I think that we have to acknowledge sooner that, our kids have feelings that they're human beings. They're not this carbon copy or they're not dress up dolls. They're, they're not printed on an assembly line. They have, they're experiencing this maturity much sooner than we did or our elders. And I think that I would have, like I said, I wanted to introduce the mental health days in elementary school because he was dealing with bullying, but I was listening to everyone else. So I would have followed my own mind. Got it. The one thing that I'm glad I did, though, is establish constant communication. We talk. We talk. We talk when we don't get along. I mean, at one point, (laughs) I would record our conversations and then play them back. Mm. And he and I would discuss how we could have talked differently to each other. Wow. If it was getting too heated. Like, I was going to, I was just determined to make sure 
he did not become not a statistic because that's not what it was about, but that he didn't become stuck in anything negative um, that I could help control. You can't control everything, you know, and no one's life is perfect. And like I said, he had to deal with me being sick and being a single mom. Those are things I had no control over, but I could control how I talked to him. I showed him, I show him great respect. Mm-hmm. I expect great respect, but I show it. Mm. And that's how I taught him how to be respectful. Yeah. I, I, I always hear, and it drives me crazy, especially now because my son's in college. So it's like, you don't really can't give the younger parents my own age too much advice because they're, they're going to their elders, if anything, but not someone their own age, which mm. is crazy. But your post resonated with me because I don't comment on Instagram. Your post resonated with me because I was told I was crazy. For, for, for doing this for him. But I would have started it earlier had I not listened to other people. Mm-hmm. And you have to just remember that the homeschooling is more stressful for them. My son pointed that out for me. His grades dropped when he was Zooming in. Yeah. Even in college, he was more depressed. Even though he was at a dorm, he said, sitting in this room all day just makes me not want to do anything. I have no motivation. So I was like, okay, well, why don't you try going outside and sitting in the grass? And he was like, like a crazy person? I was like, it's better to be crazy than sad, right? So why don't we try that? Just go outside. Just take your ass outside. He's like, just go outside and sit in the grass. And he's like, they're going to think I'm crazy. But he, I was like, let's say, we'll go to the park where you play basketball and sit at the basketball court. That's why you have the laptop, right? That's why you, you know, borrowed the iPad from your school. And he literally started to do that and it made a difference so yeah. don't write off the fact that these times because technology is what it is and they can do school from home it's very yeah. stressful them not having community yeah and so- also we have to pay attention to social media and what's on there yeah. something i did not know is that xavier's standoff with the police and everything was posted on snapchat so my son was watching that daily until one of his friends deleted it from his phone. Mm. He literally watched his, his soul brother die every day for, I think, a month. And I didn't, I, I'm, I'm in his room every night. I'm not knowing he's watching this. Mm. Because someone recorded it and put it out for the world to see. Yeah. You know, so you, you just have to be, talk to your children, listen yeah. more than anything. Because we think we have the answers because we're the parents, but we don't, not all the time. We appreciate you, You are a a godsend. I truly appreciate you sharing (laughs) this information. And uh, God bless you. God bless you and your son and that relationship that you have with him. Thank you so much for calling in. And we definitely appreciate you you, uh, tonight. Thank you. God bless you. Sorry, I'm so long-winded. I appreciate you guys. No, no, that was amazing. That was amazing. Thank you. That's why we didn't say anything. You were amazing. Thank you for calling Thank you. in. Thank you. Be blessed. You'll be blessed, too. That is phenomenal. Incredible. Yeah. Join in the discussion. 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. You're inside the Rob Report on the Danny Morrison Show right now. News and traffic. State it. Nighttime is the right time for Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580. 1580. Another look. Come on. Headed nowhere fast. Hey, yo, I'm slipping. That's BMX slipping. Danny Morrison show. Give me a like, talk 1580. I used to always trip over that dog. Ow! Ow! 
That's like a little chihuahua he used to do all the time, huh? Like you got oh, you gotta be up in. Come on, DMX man. Man, you played rest Big- in peace to DMX. Man, you know he played Biggie and he played played DMX tonight, and they're both gone. Yeah. Are we losing our greatest man? Wow, we almost lost Lil Wayne too. Remember a couple years ago? It was like the one time I saw TMZ be wrong. They reported that he was gone. And I think they printed a retraction later saying, Ooh, on second thought, he's not gone. But, uh, wow. We're discussing, uh, if my DMs are any indication, it's one of the best shows we've ever had because it's very important that we discuss uh, mental health with uh, young African-Americans here in 2022. Celebrity losses uh, who have died by suicide and how it impacts us all. And you may not even know that it does. We just had a queen. What was her name? Jahan Williams. Oh, my God. Elaborate on what we just witnessed for yeah. the last half hour. You are still inside the Raw Report, and uh, we had a beautiful, beautiful mother mm. of a sounds like beautiful son who called in sharing her experience about her son who lost two of his really close friends uh, from suicide. And that's what we're talking about today, suicide and amongst the youth. Mm. And they are going through some things. They are stressed out at school, at home, mm. uh, via social media, all of those different things. So um, we appreciate Jahan Williams for calling in. What a whew, what a, what a powerful, powerful. Uh, story that she shared with us. And she offered some great insight as well. I wrote a couple of notes down as well. Um, we now have a... Another beautiful sister who's calling in, and um, she is she's the co-founder, or she's the founder rather, of Black People Forward, which mm. is an, a new initiative that is aimed to impact barriers that are affecting young Black creatives, mm. student athletes, and entrepreneurs with unique mentorship and mental health experiences. Ooh, that's fire. Yes, we've got Lisa Williams calling in. Lisa, how are you today? I'm excellent. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for calling into the Danny Moe Show. I uh, appreciate you calling from. Where are you calling from? What city are you calling from, Lisa? I'm calling from Simi Valley, California. Simi Valley checking in. Drop that for Lisa. Yay, yay, yay. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we, we like to have fun up here, Lisa. Uh, you know, Danny is... He, he, I love it. He keeps me on my toes. Uh, Lisa is... Um, we have a, a, a we have a long term, long standing relationship, Lisa and I. She's always doing some amazing things. And this is one of them. Black people forward. Lisa... Um, why don't you shed some light on Black People Forward and the initiative and also what you've learned specifically? I know that you're passionate about um, helping youth and um, student athletes and, we, and, you know, black creatives. And um, it's surrounding uh, suicide rates and, and suicide. You know, you have some information that you'd like to share with us as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So the Black People Forward Project, um, we change lives nationwide one dinner at a time by improving self-esteem in under-resourced youth. And, and really at the, at the core of our mission is we want to impact the well-being, the wellness, and the wealth, as you said, of Black student-athletes, young Black creatives, and entrepreneurs. And, and we focus on those three um, segments for a particular reason. They are so uh, 
influenced by our professional athletes, our entertainers, and our successful entrepreneurs. So why not, you know, kind of mirror that that group to give them support and give them support from their heroes? So yeah, that's that's uh, that's our our focus. But it's really really focused on the mental health. Um, I like to call it headspace. You know, the stigma around mental health, you know, kind of throws the black community off. So mm-hmm. I like to refer to it as our headspace health. Yeah, I like I like that. I like the um, that terminology there, the headspace, and specifically around the youth. What have you learned? I mean, you know, since the pandemic in twenty twenty, you, you have a you have a a, a young adult daughter, um, and I know that specifically um, that you know she and a lot of her friends and and your kids in general just uh, they had gone through some things as my kids have as well. What have you learned um, yeah. just being um, observant of, of, your, of the kids who are around, the teenagers, the young adults? What have you learned? And then with your own research, what's going on with these children and why is the suicide rate so high right now? Absolutely. Yeah, the pressure, you know, I really personally, I attribute a lot of it to social media mm-hmm. um, and, and juggling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they, they're juggling so many things. I mean, the opportunities are plentiful uh, for young adults right now. Mm-hmm. So everybody's trying to get the bag, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's got a side hustle and a front hustle and a, <laughs> and a back hustle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then on top of that, they're on social media all day long, and it's like overstimulation. So I think all of those factors, even though some of them are very positive, they're taxing their their uh, mental capacity, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And and to back that up with some of the research. Oh, my gosh. um, There are I interviewed a wonderful woman. And this is a great resource for you guys. There's an organization called Black Girl Smiles. And her name is Lauren Carson. Mm-hmm. And she shed so much light on what's been going on in our community and suicide amongst black girls specifically. Um, I interviewed her back in September of 2021. Mm-hmm. And after the interview and the, and the information that she, you know, uh, exposed me to, I just went on a big research rant and Suicide is really, really prevalent in the black community, and it hasn't always been that way. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, literally during the pandemic, uh, we, we, we say that we've been through three pandemics, right? COVID killings and financial catastrophe as, a, as the, uh, the black community. So you said COVID, COVID killings and financial, financial catastrophe. That is great. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. I might yeah. steal that one so, from you, Queen. That yeah, is really yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. 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 Please do. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the entire world obviously has been going through a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. But the black community, we have just been dealing with our own pandemics, <laughs> multiple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, that's coming down from the pressure from the parents. And then spilling over to the kids. It's just, 
we're just under a whole nother set of, of challenges more than many other races. Mm-hmm. And in my interview with Lauren Carson, um, what stuck out to me is she said that young black girls are feeling hopeless and helpless, mm. hopeless and helpless. And, and of course, you know, when somebody is con- contemplating suicide, that would make sense. But why are our black girls feeling so hopeless right. and helpless? Yeah. That's a good question. Did she, did she delve into that a little bit more? Well, yeah, actually she did. She said one of the main factors she attributed that to mm-hmm. was too much responsibility on our young girls. Oh. That, you know, we're, our young girls, uh, there's a lot of single-parent homes. The girls have to support and help their mother with the uh, siblings. Yeah. And there's just a lot of responsibility and pressure on the girls. That's interesting. You know, um, that reminds me of a story that a comedian and actress Tiffany Haddish, you know, she is very, very public about her story when she was growing up and how uh, she dealt with some a lot of trauma from her childhood. And her mom at one point had gotten uh, injured, I believe, not sick, but injured. And she had to step up. She was in she was a teenager or um, either middle school or, or young high school. And she had to step up and almost become a, a mom to her own mother, help her mother um, uh, learn to walk again and talk again and feed her mother. But she also had to do that for her siblings. So mentally, I know that that could take a, 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 a huge toll on someone that young. And I know that a lot of our, our young teenage girls, especially when we're talking about those neighborhoods where um, it's, it's a cyclical effect, right? You know, we see that parents, um, young moms are having babies and then those babies are having babies. You know what I mean? It starts very young mm-hmm. and, and they're having multiple kids. And so these, these young girls really are having to step up, whereas the men or the young boys, it almost feels, I know they have their own traumas. Let's, let's be clear about that and their own things that they have to deal with. But when it comes to those maternal type of things and those nurturing characteristics, I know we expect the young girls to step up in that area. Yep. Yeah. And that's really what she was saying. Uh, I mean, the pressure and and uh, depression and anxiety is running rampant. Um, I'd love to ch- uh, share uh, two statistics with you. Yeah. Um, I was reading an article and it said half of female high school students reported persistent feelings of sad. Uh, I'm sorry, of sadness and hopelessness. And in 2021, emergency department visits for attempted suicide rose 51% among girls. Let's expound on that. Let's expound on that on the other side. I'm up against it. Can you hold on a second? Okay. Gotcha. We have got Lisa Williams talking well-being, wellness, and wealth inside the Raw Report. Danny Moe Show, KBLA. Y'all stay right there. From Bakersfield to Los Angeles. By George and Wheezy, Danny Morrison is moving on up at KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to the Danny Morrison Show exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. Yeah, we're having an incredible raw report tonight. Talk of suicide. We've got Lisa Williams on the phone. Uh, she's talking uh, well-being, wellness, and wealth with Robin A.S. Take it over, Queen. Lisa, um, you know, there's 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 never enough time, you know, especially when we're talking about these 
really uh, deep conversations and things like that. What, what do you what do you take away? Um, I know what you're doing to help with black people forward. And, and I think it's an, an incredible initiative. What do you take away from talking to um, these experts and, you know, people like Lauren Carson? What can we do to be more aware? What can we do to uh, heighten the awareness surrounding this topic of, of suicide and headspace? Maybe uh, like I know you like to call it headspace. <laughs> Let me know what, yeah, you, what your thoughts are. Definitely. <laughs> um, I, I think that we're doing exactly uh, one of the most important things, having the conversation right now mm-hmm. and, and getting the information in front of parents. That's what's important. It's one thing for us to have these incredible conversations like this, but if parents aren't hearing the conversations, it's kind of like a, what I say about Amazon. You know, Amazon is incredible. There's books to help you with everything you can think of on Amazon. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know what title to look for, yeah. it can't help you. And that's why I kind of like to bring books to people. I like to bring this information and put it in front of the youth, put it in front of the parents, because a lot of times people don't know where to find the answers to Uh, the concerns or problems that they may be seeing in their children. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is many parents don't even realize that their kids are in bad headspace. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just so important for us to, I like to call it checking in. Uh, We're going to be having a campaign September is national suicide awareness month. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to be having a, a campaign called uh, uh, Checking In, the Checking In campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next month is National Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're starting a new campaign called Me First. Me First and then The Bag. Me First and then Hollywood. Me First and then Sports. Explain that a little bit. Me me First. Explain that. So you want, what what is the campaign? And and is it a student or a young person saying me first? I'm going to put me first, um, my mental health first, my my well-being first, and then going. It's celebrities. It's everyday people. It's youth. We are going to have an interview series on IG Live, and we're going to have people coming forth and just saying, how are they prioritizing their self first before other things, before mm-hmm. sports, before making money, before, you know, uh, uh, pursuing their career? Mm-hmm. And that information will be available, again, for parents, for, for uh, youth, for student athletes to hear how others like themselves or their celebrity heroes or professional athlete heroes, how they're prioritizing themselves first, mm-hmm. how they're putting me themselves first. Yeah, that's an incredible, I love the the concept and uh, this idea of putting yourself first. And I think the, the um, campaign, I think, will do very well, especially getting, in, getting it in front of so many people. Can you talk a little bit about where people can find you, how everyday people, because that's really what this is, what this is about, right, mm-hmm. Lisa? This is, this is who this is for. It's our yeah. young people, the yeah. everyday people, um, getting, um, getting the information out to them. How can people get involved in what you're doing? 
Absolutely. Um, we uh, are launching our IG this week, and it is Black People Forward. So, again, it's at Black People Forward. And um, the same thing for the website, blackpeopleforward.org. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just really looking for celebrities and influential people to come on live, spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes and kind of encourage the youth and tell them what they're doing, you know, what maybe what they didn't do before and what they're doing now. And I'm sure COVID has really made many people kind of go back and reflect and make some adjustments. And it's just important. I, I believe that the healing that needs to take place in the black community can begin and should begin within our community because we trust one another more than we trust others. So why not join together, you know, the influential, the struggling, the celebrities, the youth, and kind of undergird one another. Black People Forward is a new project aimed to impact barriers that are affecting young black creatives, student athletes, and entrepreneurs with unique mentorship and mental health experiences. Lisa C. Williams, we appreciate you, Queen. Thank you so much. We appreciate you, Lisa. Thank you so much for calling in. And thank you for the work that you're doing uh, with these youth. We, We definitely appreciate you. I appreciate you. May I share one last resource with you? Yeah, go for it. Sure. There's an interview, it's called Suicide, School, and Social Anxiety on YouTube with Lauren Carson. It was the interview that I did with her. I recommend anyone, especially parents, to listen to that interview. Suicide, School, and Social Anxiety on YouTube. Correct. Gotcha. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. We'll check it out. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Have a great night. Bye-bye. News and traffic now. We jump back in on the other side. Danny Morrison Show, KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. KBLA 1580, Santa Monica. You found another one, but I am the better one. I won't let you forget me. Danny Morrison Show, KBLA Talk 1580. You know, we haven't talked about tonight after coming off of a splendid, incredible Rye Report just now. Talk of suicide and mental health in the African-American community is how many artists have taken their own life over the last few years. Yeah. You know? It's heartbreaking. Something's happening. And we don't know what it is. We we could try to diagnose it. You know? When we were growing up, we had our own problems in our neighborhood, right? Yeah. And we always looked at the fathers, it seemed like. Every song that came out, hip-hop songs, when we talk about having our problems, from gang problems to financial problems, it was like, you know, Daddy ain't around. That's the reason we struggling. This generation, Mm. you could point to 50 different things on why they are struggling the way that they are. Now, she said social media is at the center. You know that's how I feel. Oh, yeah. That might be number one for me. Yeah, because social media is, uh, it's, it's bullying. It's the comparisons. That, that's a big one right there, feeling like, uh, you know, your life isn't adequate enough mm. after seeing someone else's perfect, quote unquote, life. You know what I mean? Because FOMO, FOMO for sure. Fear of missing out for those who don't know what FOMO is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of that, which is why it's so important to, like I like what Jahan said, uh, you you absolutely need to monitor if your children are on social media. Do your best to monitor them. I mean, you might have some older ones who are 17, 18 years old who are just doing their thing, but if they're young, young teenagers or, or even younger than that, um, first of all, I wouldn't personally allow my um, – Younger than teenage kids to be on social media. That's just me. You've done a opinion. great job. Yeah, I've, 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 I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I have the two types of personalities that I have in my kids. Um, I'm grateful that we have the communication and the relationship that we do because they talk to, to me and they talk to their dad. I mean, they are very, very communicative that way. Um, but it's just too much for them. It's too much for me mm. sometimes. I can't handle it sometimes. So um, I, I can only imagine what it would be for them. I think some so, would yeah. be afraid that if you keep your child away, mm -hmm. it becomes that more enticing to them. Talk about fear of missing out. Sure. They'd yeah. be like, man, I want to be on that thing because I'm looking at all my friends shine on social media. Yeah. That never crossed your mind, that it, fear? It has not. But the reason why it's never crossed my mind is because my kids never entered that phase of um, – they, we never went there. We never went there with the with the societal standards. And what I mean by that is social media, to a large degree, is trying to keep up with society. Yep. Right? Um, and vice versa. <laughs> and so, but we never entered that standard. We never, I, I, they never had a chance to try to look at um, social media and or look at society and say, I need a weave in my hair. They never had a chance to be like, I need to get my nails done. Mm -hmm. They never had a chance to do the duck lips when that was like a, a, a huge phase, you know, mm -hmm. doing selfies. They never, we never did that. So if you, if they never entered that space, then there is no FOMO because you don't even know what you're missing out on. Well said. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Very it, much so. So, yeah, if, that, if that's clear, I think that's why it was easier for us. Mm. Here's another fear for me, mm -hmm. and tell me if you agree. Mm -hmm. Let's say that your child is going through some depression that you don't know what it is. You don't know if it's something clinical or, just, you know, they just had a breakup and they're down from that. Mm -hmm. Do you want to ask them, are they having suicidal thoughts? Because the fear is, do you want to introduce the conversation to your teenager? Yeah. When they see their friends are taking that way out? Do you want to even broach the subject? You'd be afraid to. You'd be afraid. It, it's, 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 it's a difficult conversation. I, I would not necessarily, this is just me, I wouldn't necessarily say, are you having suicidal thoughts? How would you broach it? I would just ask, um, what are you feeling? What are you feeling? How... Um, you know, if they can't quite come up with the words to describe what they're feeling, um, you know, just try to use other questions, open-ended questions. Do you feel maybe that, I mean, do you feel dark? Do you feel gloomy? Do you feel like mm. you just want to stay in bed? Do you feel like you don't want to do anything today? And I think if you gauge their um, responses from questions like that, think you can get a good enough idea and not enough not only that will you get a good idea i think it will it will encourage them to um give give more answers that will allude to whether they feel suicidal or not mm. so and i'm not a professional i'm just saying how i would approach it with my own kids but um i feel that too i feel that that question of if you if you literally say that would it be introducing that thought to them you know that's a scary uh that's a sc scary uh thought oh and my the, gosh and the ring, reason i bring it to you is yeah. what was the queen's name in the first half i'm sorry jahan jahan, jahan let me write Williams. that down i keep forgetting that name mm -hmm. 
Jahan said that her son experienced two suicides, mm -hmm. same school year, same school. You don't think that second suicide saw that first one and said, oh, that's an option? You can't tell me the second suicide wasn't impacted by the first. We live in a copycat culture. Mm -hmm. And you'd be afraid that your child would say, oh, so all of this depression I'm feeling, this pain that I'm feeling, you know, that girl that won't give me any attention, the people that are calling me ugly and pimple-faced on social media right now, I can end this right now and end the pain. Mm -hmm. That's what scares a lot of parents. It, it, yeah, and I hear that, and... Um unfortunately it doesn't even have to exist just within the same school i think that it's in the media you know we have a tendency and i say we because we are also a part of media and we broadcast what's going on mm -hmm. in the world and um we broadcast just as much good news well I, I try to broadcast good news as well but um we have to broadcast the the not so good news as well and that would include suicides and people who have done it who are public figures and things like that. And um, so it doesn't doesn't have to be just the fact that they saw someone in, in, the, in the same school do it. They can say, hey, I saw that this is an option for me because I saw X, Y, and Z. Someone, mm. you know, and I saw that on the news or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's a scary um, it's a scary world that we live in that these kids actually think that this is an option for them. Oh, that's terrifying. To me. Yeah. How about it on time? Because she's calling from Texas right now. I wanted to. Can we take it? Let's uh, jump Miss Pamela up in here. Pamela, you know how we do. Give me your height, your color, and your hood, queen. Hey, Danny. How you doing? Miss Pamela from Houston. Houston, check it in. Drop that. Yay, yay. I wanted to get you in because I know it is. I'm assuming it's 111 right now in Houston, Houston, Texas right now, right? Yeah. I got off work at 5 and went to sleep. So oh. I woke up just for this show. Ooh, I appreciate and love you oh, so much, nice. Queen. So what do you think of this yeah, whole conversation? Um, it's it's a very tough conversation. I'm the founder of a um, bullying prevention program, mm. uh, Mothers of Bullied Babies. It's been inactive because I just haven't gotten it off the ground with the vision that I have and now with the young black men that are committing suicide because I decided to start this program because I felt fortunate walking in on my son attempting suicide. Oh, wow. And when I started looking for him help, I saw how many children were actually dying due to being bullied. Mm. And now we have another issue where it's our African-American young men that are committing suicide. You know, and it's, it's very hard on them because a lot of them are taking the responsibility of, taking care of younger siblings, they see social media, and uh, they want this, they want that. And it's it's just really, it's a tough situation to deal with. Yeah. And every day I'm trying to figure out a way to uh, raise awareness, to say, okay, your life is worth more than becoming a rap star or a fancy car. And, you know, these children really don't have, too much to look up to. Before I let you go, Queen, that thank you. No, me, it makes perfect you sense. Know, I just wanted to know how your son's doing today, though. How's he doing? My son is in prison, mm -hmm. and I worry about him every single day. Wow. And um, before this even happened, before the crime was committed, I was really looking for him help. 
but since he was over 18, he had to go get help on his own. Yeah. You know, or I would have to go get a power of attorney during that time. I mean, I suffered with depression, you know, and I feel like if I wouldn't have went through what I went through, my children probably, I know for a fact, would have graduated college mm. and, and lived a nice, productive life. So, do you, Unfortunately, huh? Do you think that you passed on depression biologically to your children? Is that what you're saying? Well, my depression came from a lot of things that I was faced with at a very young age, like they were talking about. I heard one young lady say that five years old is too young for a child to know about George Floyd. Yes, that is, but I experienced something at a very young age Mm -hmm. that couldn't get out of my mind if I was faced with it again. You're answering the question right there for Robin. Robin agrees with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's too young. So, um... I think that the copycat, what you were saying, I believe that that's real because there was one school when I first started my program, they had so many children just back-to-back committing suicide. So what I came up with was a national T-shirt day, maybe on Monday, everybody wear their T-shirts, and they need counselors in these schools. When a child is going through something, that child should be taken immediately like the young lady did with her son. She took him out of school for that day. Mm-hmm. And that was great because our children's minds are not like ours. Mm-hmm. They think different and everything. It's, it's very tough for them. It really is. So, you know, I just, um, I would just recommend that we raise awareness with the parents and sometimes it's tough, you know, in the, in the African-American families, uh, dealing with poverty and, you know, it's just time for us to try to have mothers improve, you know, Mm. and it's nothing wrong with that because I say that, uh, due to living in the projects and I would tell my youngest son to come inside and, he would say, well, everybody else can stay outside. Why can't I? You know? Yeah. And it, it, it brings, it's like a domino effect. And uh, to hear about the two friends, and that's so, I mean, it's so hard for young men. Mm-hmm. Think about getting pulled over all the time. Thinking about have to worry about the police. It's hard being black. Yep. Pamela, I I appreciate this phone call so much. Get some sleep. After the show, after the show is over, get some sleep. Right now, you stay up. All right, get some coffee right now. (laughs) Right around. (laughs) Right around, you know. I got a glass of wine. I'm going to go to sleep right after I get off of this call. But I stayed up. I got off work at 5. I work at home. Uh, so I went to sleep and I woke up. I said, okay, I slept five hours. I I start at 8 in the morning, you know brush my teeth, go for a little walk, and come back and get to work. But, uh, yeah, we definitely need to um, do something for our young men and our young women, you know. I look at the young female rappers now, and everything is about materialistic things. And it makes these girls' self-esteem go down. Um, They get picked on because of this or whatever. So we got to raise their self-esteem. We got to give them that sense of pride to be able to step out and say, hey, 
I don't need a fancy car. I don't need nice clothes, you know. All I need is a good education, and I need a foundation to build a family that's better than what I came from. Mm. That's call of the night right there. Come on, give give a call of the night. You call her from Houston, Texas. Good night, guys. Good night, Queen. Talk to you soon. 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580, on the other side, I'm going to give my own personal breakdown on how I've been impacted by suicide with y'all. And we got the 7 Series as well. Danny Morris' show, KBLA. Stay there. From Bakersfield to Los Angeles. From middays to nighttime. Like George and Wheezy, Danny Morrison is moving on up at KBLA Talk 1580. Local today. Now back to more of the Danny Morrison Show on KBLA Talk 1580. Robin is in there laughing about Got My Booty Believing for the commercial. You know what I'm saying? She didn't know it said that. It's like, yeah, got your booty believing. It don't matter. You know it don't matter what toilet paper you use. That's a woman thing. Real t- What? That's a woman thing. Andy, don't you leave me out of it by myself. Don't you leave me out of it by myself. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Okay, it, wait a minute. What? It does matter. Why does it matter? What? This this conversation's taking a left turn. Why? You would literally use one ply toilet I would paper. Use toilet paper. I would use newspaper. I would use construction paper. As long and, as I get the job. And you know what though? I'm with you. Yeah. But come on, that one ply. Let, don't let it stick to you. <laughs> you ever had that toilet paper from the 99 cent store? That's what I'm talking that's about. Just, that's terrible. We live in a different time now. Dan. We really we do. Yeah, we don't. Hey, no you gotta to have your booty believing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she was busting up. You never heard that commercial? Charmaine got my booty believing. Oh. oh, yeah, that's a good question. You know what I'm saying? All right, can we get, can we get back to serious? Yes. Check it out. We're discussing the tragic suicides of young black celebrities over the last couple of years and the teetering mental health of young African Americans in 2022. Uh, by the way, Farron just checked in, and he said uh, we can ask our children what they are concerned about in life because we have concerns as parents for our children. Concerns, worries, pain, not accepted, not loved, not liked. He also says uh, the phone provides way too much access we didn't have 40 years ago. Globalization of computers and invisible injuries, also known as silent emotional trauma, disappointment, shame, bitterness. It's not always physical, no doubt. Well done, King, as usual. Now, check it out. I want to once again officially go on record by admitting that I've lost three friends to suicide over the last two and a half years. Years. Friends that I've known for 20 plus years. Mm. One of them was the cat that I went to school with, so for 30 plus years. And the scary thing is, two out of three that were, that I've lost, were the most high energy, happy-go-lucky people you will ever meet. Wow. Life at a party. The types of people that will always gravitate towards any social engagement, and as soon as they walk in the door, they were the life of the party, each and every time. Now, the other was an introvert. Kept to himself. Never went anywhere, never did anything. And can I be honest? I kick myself all the time because I never stopped and asked him if everything was okay. Mm. Let me give you a little background without giving up too much information out of respect for his family. I got a circle of tremendous creative talents that work with me and for me, okay? As a matter of fact, if you swing over to the KBLA socials right now, you'll see a short video of Oprah Winfrey and Gail King breaking down the type of circle you should have around you to get to the next level. It's on our socials right now. It's a great 70-second watch. Trust me. But this cat was one of them. One of the most creative people in my circle. Could create on the fly, no questions asked. I would give him a task, it'd be done in 30 minutes or less. An incredible gift to me. Now, when I found out he was gone, 
I felt so bad because he and I, we talked regularly, but I never just stopped and asked him, was he okay? We always talked work, nothing more. I knew he wasn't appearing at local events. I knew he wasn't posting on social media. And my ignorant self never simply reached out on the down times just to check on him and see how he was doing. And that guilt will wear on me for the rest of my life. Could I have talked to him and heard a sign that something was amiss? Maybe. Could I have walked him off the ledge? Maybe. Could a simple convo from me have implored him to seek out a medical professional? Maybe. And now I'll never know. And it will hurt for a lifetime. And that's why you need to grab your babies tonight, man. Hug your babies. Kiss your babies. Call that friend that you lost touch with. You know what I'm saying? Stop by your parents' house that, that you cut from your life. Bury the hatchet with that next door neighbor that you had an argument with over nothing. And reach out to that person that you've never heard, that you haven't heard from nor seen in a long time. Because you never know. You don't know what people are going through. And here's the other side. There's someone listening right now that is struggling with their own mental health. Yeah, you. We've had a bunch of phone calls tonight with a number of people struggling right now. Some of you are only alive because you don't want to leave your kids. Right or wrong, you know them, right? If you didn't have children, you would have done it already. Right? I'm asking for you to please seek out a medical professional. Please. You are not by yourself out here. I know it feels like it sometimes. We've talked about it on this show. There are a number of people, male, female, different age groups, whatever. All of us African-Americans, I'm telling you, at some point in your life, maybe recently, maybe now, you go to that bed and you cry in a fetal position often. Crying over whatever. It could be over bills. It could be over a, a relationship. It could be some stress that your kids are bringing to you. It could be at your job that's driving you crazy, pushing your mental health over the edge. Who knows what it is? Or it could just be you got some unresolved trauma that you haven't exactly resolved. So I'm asking that you please seek out a mental health professional. And if you feel you need help immediately, and hopefully listening to the Raw Report tonight with those beautiful queens that came on here and listening to the phone calls tonight, it will implore you to do something. So please call this number for assistance, even tonight. You got the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Or you can also call NAMI. That's the National Alliance on Mental Illness, uh, Mental Illness at 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-6264. Or you can text them as well. A lot of people don't want to talk to a, a live person. That's okay. It's all right. You want your anonymity or you're embarrassed or whatever? Okay. You could text the initials LA here in Los Angeles to 741-741. Text the initials LA to 741-741. This will connect you with a trained crisis counselor to receive free crisis support via text message with the Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health right now. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Do it now if you need to. You know your body better than anybody. You know when you're not feeling 100%. And you need to make that change by making that call. And I know you think, ah, I'll, I'll get over it. 
I don't want people knowing my business. Oh, I got too much going on. That is until you have that emotional breakdown. Right? Have you been there? Have you been there when you feel like the world is leaning on you? You been there? Huh? When you feel like everybody's against you. You ever, you ever look up in the sky and say, God, what's the deal? I think we've all been there. What's the deal? What did I do? Why aren't you protecting me like you say that you were going to? I thought if I was a man or a woman of faith, you was going to do everything possible to make sure that I can live a godly lifestyle. You're going to take care of me. You're going to shield me in the storm. What happened? But I think Denzel said it best when Will Smith was losing his mind at the Oscars. What did, what did Denzel say? The devil will come for you. Mm. At your highest at moment. At your highest moment in life. I'm telling you, he will come for you. So just understand, if a bunch of bad things are happening to you right now, it could be because you're just doing a whole bunch of positive out there right now. Don't think it's you, you screwing up. And, you know, you hear people say sometimes, I'm a bad mom, I'm a bad father, I'm this. I'm telling you right now, you're doing the best that you possibly can do. And sometimes you just need to talk to somebody because all of us black people, we got trauma. Yeah. All of us. Every single one of us. I don't care how great your parents were. I don't care how rich you were. I don't care how nice your neighborhood were. I don't care how clean your neighborhood was or how great your friends were. I promise you, every single one of us got some form of trauma because society in this country makes sure we got trauma. So if you want to go talk to somebody, you should. And if you need this information again on the low, get in my DMs or get in my inbox, Danny at smileyaudiomedia.com. I'll send it to you. Cool? All right. Uh, news and traffic right now. On the other side, I will give you my seven series tonight. Seven signs your child may have a mental health issue. You need to hear this. Danny Mo Show, KBLA. Y'all stay right there. Nighttime is the right time for Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580. 1580. Real talk, real time. The gospel truth. You're listening to The Danny Morrison Show on KBLA Talk 1580. I've been on the low, I've been taking my time mm. I feel like I'm out of my mind It feel like my life ain't mine Who can relate? Woo! I've been on the low, I've been taking my time I feel like I'm out of my mind It feel like my life ain't mine I don't wanna be alive I don't wanna be alive I just wanna die today I just wanna die They think they know it I've been praying for somebody to say me No one's heroic in my life Don't even matter I know it, I know it I know I'm hurting deep down But can't show it I never had a place to call my own I never had a home Ain't nobody calling my phone Where you been, where you at What's on your mind They say every life precious But nobody care about mine I've been alone That is logic 1-800 What's the number again? 1-800 273 Yeah that was a humongous song. As a matter of fact, it was the song of the year. What year was it? Was it 2018? 2018? 2019? What year is that, King? 18? 17. 17. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. did. And uh, that's Logic. Uh, what color is Logic? <laughs> that's the whitest black man of all time, ain't he? You look at that cat, you go, what? He's black, though. You see his father? He's, 
He's a king. <laughs> but check it out, y'all. Uh, we are talking uh, suicide today. We're talking mental health today. We've had some great uh, stories and phone calls and the Raw Report with two beautiful queens talking about this entire topic. And, you know, it's time for the seven series. Matter of fact, place it up, Andy. Let's go. One topic, seven answers. It's time for the seven series on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. You know, those of us that have children are terrified when you see young African Americans that not only look like they are living the life, but they also look like they have a strong circle of support around them. Yet and still, they still take their own lives. The warning signs aren't always obvious, and that's why we need to talk about it tonight. That's why my seven series is Seven Signs Your Child May Have a Mental Health issue now this list ain't mine because as you know i am not a medical professional by any stretch of the imagination it's uh, provided by psychotherapist licensed clinical social worker mental strength coach and international best-selling author amy marin it's estimated that one in six children in the united states is a mental illness uh, my jaw dropped when i read that one in six mm. yet over half of them never received treatment i will break down a few signs and symptoms that will help us all with our own children. God willing, you want to join the discussion for the end of the show. 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. Seven signs your child may have a mental health issue. Here's number one. You've seen some unexplained changes in mood that concern you. Look, it's normal for kids to be a little sad or grumpy sometimes. But if you see changes in their mood that last for two weeks or more, it could be a sign that they need a little help regulating their emotions. And that is the first sign that your child may have a mental health issue. You know, the balance on that is all kids go through that phase. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. maybe they start dressing different, wearing their hair different, you know. Mm -hmm. How do you know that's not something else? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what's scary about it. It's like, is my child just going through a phase? Because I remember when I, was, when I was in school, I went through my, my breakdance phase. I don't want to date myself here. Shut up, Andy. But I was there. <laughs> Oh, I, it was cute. You saw my pictures. And, uh, but my mother could have said, my, my son is gravitating towards NWA. Mm -hmm. How did she know that wasn't something else? Yeah. So how do you know? Yeah, I, I think that another reason why you have to be so in tune with your kids and their uh, personalities and, and their hobbies as well, what they're into, because um, I have a friend who noticed that her son was um, changing up a little bit and he was so into his uh, games, like mm -hmm. uh, video games and things like that. And then she just took it away from him for a while. And all of a sudden it was like a cloud removed. You know, he started being a part of the world again. And so um, I don't know what that game was about, but he was so into it that she noticed a mood and a, a, a change in his behavior. So um, even something as simple as that, it could just be something that, you mm. know, you pay attention to. You get it right away and mm -hmm. then uh, it, it could be helpful. So she took it from him just like that. Cold turkey. Yeah. Cold turkey. That was porn. All right. Number <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm kidding. Can we laugh a little bit tonight? <laughs> Seven signs your child may have a mental health issue. Here's number two. They've stopped doing the things that they enjoy. Mm -hmm. Now, this one is, I mean, come on. Yeah. Kids often abandon certain activities like soccer or piano, but they should always have some activities they enjoy. If your child lacks interest in just about everything, it could be a sign of a mood disorder. Mm -hmm. That's the second sign your child may have a mental health issue. That's a no-brainer. Yeah. 
If all of a sudden they just want to cut themselves off from society. Yeah. That tells you everything right there. Yeah. Uh, it, it's tricky, though, because, you know, you mentioned it, um, teenage years. When Once that happens, things change um, mm -hmm. anyway. So it's like you, you just got to, I guess, uh, figure out what is what, what's going on with them. So When I was in high school, I played the trombone. Wow. I know that's weird. Okay. I don't know, Rocky. Yeah, I did. Okay. I did it in junior high school. I was part of the honor band. I was really good at it, too. Mm -hmm. But then I got to high school. You know, your boy was cute. Okay. You too? <laughs> Look at the flute. All right. Look know. at I these gotta, musicians. I question your manhood. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> black man you see playing a flute. Flutophone? I had a flutophone. So, raise your hand. You played the flutophone. Cut that don't out. Y'all don't know the flutophone? Am I, no. am, I, am I dating myself here? Probably. All right. Probably. Um, <laughs> but I thought I was too cute to be in band. You thought you were too cute to be in band. You know what I'm talking about, huh? Because all my homeboys, you know, they were just, you know, they were in sports or they were dating and stuff. Oh. And I used to have to leave to go into band. And all these white people are around me. And I'm in the middle of the band marching. And they'd be like, D. You know, it's funny that you uh, made the little joke about uh, a black man in the flute and, and the manhood. Don't play it. That's one of the reasons why I stopped playing the flute going into high school. I just thought it was not the cool thing to do. Although, like, now, it's crazy. You know, when Future came out with that song, Mask yeah. Off, it was like, man, I want to pick up my flute again. Mm. You know? Because at the end of the day, it's music at the end of the day. So, you know. That's surprising, man. I yeah. just don't see you playing the flute. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah. Maybe you play the skin flute. Um, <laughs> what? Don't oh, you leave me out here by myself! You've heard that before, I'm sure. Oh, I didn't. I didn't use no soap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Can we laugh? These it's been a serious guys. show. We just had I mean, come on. These guys. Seven signs your child may have a mental health issue. Here's number three. Their anger is causing problems. Oh, yeah. Look, while adults deal with depression and often look sad, children are likely to appear irritable. Anxiety disorders and other mental health issues can also lead to angry outbursts, lashing out, getting aggressive, and throwing out of control tantrums are just a few of the examples of anger issues that may require attention. That's the third sign your child may have a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. Come on. Anger? Yeah. Yeah. If your kid is blowing up for no reason, it's like, dude, we're out of milk and you're throwing the gallon of milk across the room yeah something else at play what what happens though when you uh when you notice anger issues or you notice that your kid is not no longer interested in things that used to interest them do you go to do you call a number do you go get help or do you try Ooh. to convince your child that they need help what if they don't listen to that robin that's really good yeah i don't know the answer to that question yeah that's really good are you going to force it on? Right. You, you don't want to force it. Because my assumption is that from the child's perspective, they, they're like, I'm fine. Leave me alone. This is just me. Don't you accept me for me. Right. You know, that type of thing. But mm -hmm. we as the parent who are in tune with them and their mm -hmm. uh, behavioral changes think that they need a little oh, bit of help. Oh, wow. That's good. That's that's so good. I don't know. That's why that queen in the uh, in the raw report when she said her son came to her and said that I need therapy that it's is a such blessing. a blessing. It's a blessing. Oh my God. Yeah. But at what point does she see some change in his behavior and go, "I'm getting you some help"? Mm -hmm. And he goes, "I don't need no help." Right. Well, you know, um, again, the month of May is the uh, National Mental Awareness Month, 
Health Awareness Month, and uh, we're going to have some more. Danny and I, we've talked about it. We're going to have mental health experts come in and people who are, this is really their work. This is their life's work. And so th- that's a question that we'll, we'll ask an expert because it's a good one, mm-hmm. you know, and I think people will want to know that. one 800 signs your child may have a mental health issue. Here's number four. Their anxiety stops them from doing healthy activities. Whether your child worries about landing a part in a school play or they're nervous about presenting a science fair project to the whole class, a little anxiety can be healthy. But if your child refuses to do things that could be good for them, like going to a friend's home or trying out for a team, it could be a sign that they need help managing their anxiety. And that is the fourth sign. Your child may have a mental health issue. You know what I wanted to know? We got That's why we got to bring on a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. If your child has extreme anxiety problems, Mental health? Mm. Is that a mental health issue? Right. Because I know a lot of people with anxiety. Well, that's why I was talking about earlier how I'm so cautious to use that word. Yeah. And just label people, you know, having mental health issues when it could be something different, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's another great question. I, I know someone, no names, uh, that when there's an intersection, right, you're at a stoplight mm-hmm. and everybody's stopping, right? If they're at the front of the line at a stoplight, mm-hmm. they won't move until the other cars go. Mm-hmm. They have so much anxiety when they come up to an intersection. Yeah. Is that a mental mental health issue? You see, uh, that's why we got to get a professional in. Here. Yeah. Mm. How we doing on time, King? Uh, when we come forward, we will jump back into the seven series. Seven signs your child may have a mental health issue. We are up to number five. One eight hundred nine two zero fifteen eighty. Danny Morrison show on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. We've got a lot to talk about. From Bakersfield to Los Angeles, from middays to nighttime, nighttime. like George and Weezy, Danny Morrison is moving on up at KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. Initiative. You're listening to the Danny Morrison Show exclusively on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. You're also listening to the 7 Series right now. 7 Signs Your Child May Have a Mental Health Issue. Number one is you've seen some unexplained changes in mood that concern you. Two, they've stopped doing things that they enjoy. Three, their anger is causing problems. Four, their anxiety stops them from doing healthy activities. We're up to number five. But first, uh, a queen just got in my DMs and said, tell that young man to pick up that flute. (laughs) You better make it happen, Cap'n. Get it done. I'll get my trombone. You get the flute. We make some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about five dollars on the on the street corner. <laughs> we split that mug and go to El Pollo Loco together. Uh, number five. <laughs> number five. They have a uh, a lot of unexplained aches and pains. Hmm. I didn't know this one. Kids with mental health issues often complain about stomach aches, headaches, and a variety of physical ailments. If a physician can't find any known medical cause for these complaints, their discomfort could be stemming from emotional distress. Mm, wow. And I that is the that. fifth sign your child may have a mental health issue. Whoa. I never would have thought that. Uh-uh. Because usually you go, oh, so you faking because you don't want to go to school. Exactly. Yeah. They may not be. They wow. may not be faking. Yeah. It may be emotionally they're pretty imbalanced. You know, to that, to that, uh, what you just said, though, that comment about um, if they're coming up with reasons not to go to school and it's unlike them, then you probably should just listen to them and allow them not to go to school. That's why mental health day is like you do is brilliant. Yeah. 
It's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's so old school to be like, no, you going to school no matter what. I mean, it's just, again, we live in a different time. We have to, we have to wake up and become more aware of what they, what they're showing us. You know. I do want to ask you. Take me quickly because we're short on time. Take me through the process when you give a mental health day, and they're fifteen, so they're in high school. Yeah. How do you work that out with their teachers and homework and what? Yeah. <laughs> They are, uh, we'll usually ask them, uh, do you have anything important coming up? Mm-hmm. Is there a test or something that you have to be there for? And they're pretty, they know, they don't want to get behind, so they're, uh, they, they'll make wise decisions there. But in terms of the school and getting that um, approved or whatever, we don't, we don't have any uh, issues. We don't, we don't explain it to anybody. Nor, um, nor should you need to. We don't need to. Um, but I will write up there or call or something like that just to excuse them for the day just because it's still on their record. But, yeah, we don't provide anything. Okay. It's, so, it's a pretty simple so process. So if it's the finals, they're not going to do it on the finals. Exactly. But... Yeah. Okay. They wouldn't even ask us to do it on the finals. Gotcha. Yeah. Seven signs your child may have a mental health issue. Here's number six. They're having trouble sleeping. Yeah, it goes without saying, right? All kids have trouble sleeping sometimes, but ongoing sleep concerns might be a cause for concern. For example, trauma can lead to nightmares, and anxiety could make, be making it difficult to fall asleep. That's the sixth sign your child may have a mental issue that goes outside yeah right yeah that goes for adults too that's a great point mm-hmm. how many times have you guys been just stressed out and you can't sleep absolutely oh my god oh my goodness yeah <laughs> I, I hate that i hate tossing and turning and not being able to sleep yeah and there's nothing you can do about it but mm-hmm. you still can't go to sleep mm-hmm. how we done on time king uh when we come forward i will give you number seven muy importante trust me 1-800-920-1580, Danny Mo Show, 7 Series, KBLA. Stay there. Nighttime is the right time for Danny Morrison on KBLA Talk 1580. 1580. 1580. 1580.